Hi, this is Steve Roost, and you're listening to Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio. Each week, we give you the best news, views, and interviews from the health technology world. From CEOs and founders to entrepreneurs and clinicians, the companies and people that are shaping the future face of healthcare. All on the world's number one talk health radio. Hello and welcome to Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio. My name is Steve Roost and each week we bring you the best news, views and interviews with the leaders, clinicians, founders and CEOs who are changing the face of healthcare in the UK and beyond. I'm a founder um, and CEO of a health tech company myself and I'm passionate about the people and companies who are changing the world. Before we get into it, um, as always, I want to thank everyone for listening um, we're coming back after our little summer holly bobs. So it's good to be back in the studio. Good to be back live. Um, would remind everyone to follow us on, on the socials, which is at Health Tech Hour, as well as follow the station, which is at UK Health Radio, just to stay on top of everything, everything that's going on. So um, today's show is another. I mean, look, I love doing the show. Everyone knows that listens. I love doing the show. But today is another one of those shows where we're, we're dealing with a with a with a concept or an entity that that is, is part of the glue that holds the healthcare system together uh, and helps us all get healthier. And there's a very good chance that a lot of people listening may not necessarily realize that this is going on and that this company is as important as this company is. So today we've got David Ezra, who is the founder and CEO of Vantage Health. Now, Vantage Health are dedicated to transforming the referral process and getting people the right care at the right time. What does that mean to you and to patients? What does that mean to all of us? Well, everyone's probably had a referral from a GP before uh, to a hospital or a specialist or some other some other care pathway, some other person that they need to speak to from their GP. Um, but what happens if you're referred to the wrong specialist? What happens if your GP didn't do all of the things that they were supposed to do before they referred you? Um, what happens now in the post-pandemic world where elective care has been stopped? where it might be more difficult to get appointments. How does that all get handled? And then um, what you have to also understand is the NHS has said that, that this was prior to COVID, that if, if, it doesn't, if, if 40% of removals are not, referrals are not removed, as in they need to reduce referrals by 40%, the NHS is at risk of collapse. So that is the problem that Vantage Health is trying to solve or is solving at scale across the NHS, which is you know, I think is fascinating because it's an issue that faces all of us when we go to the GP and we get referred. It's a universal problem and they're providing a solution. So, um, David, welcome to the show. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing really, really well. Thank you for having me. Good. So I ask everyone this, you know, although now we're kind of out of the pandemic, hopefully kind of touch wood, at least for a little bit before it all kind of kicks off again, I'm sure. Um, How, what's the mood in the camp like at your place? I know that you've had quite a crazy 12 months. (laughs) As an understatement, um, it's it's really positive. I mean, uh, obviously, there's it's, it's, the pandemic has changed the world um, beyond recognition in many in many ways. Um, and for companies such as us, it really has brought to the fore how important 
the solutions that we're that we're providing are um, and really motivated the team to be able to work at pace um, and with great enthusiasm to deliver um, very customized solutions to the NHS to make sure that they could uh, manage um, what is a very desperate situation. Yeah, we're going to jump into all of that because I know that there's, I mean, look, you were obviously doing fantastic things prior to the pandemic. And that was obviously, mm-hmm. a, a, like, like like I said in my intro, which actually came from the, the pre, pre-production pre call that, that you and I had. Mm-hmm. Now, the NHS had has a, a problem with over-referrals anyway prior to prior to COVID. So your business was hugely valuable to what to the service then. And I think that that might have become even more so as a result of the pandemic. We'll, we can jump into that in a, in a bit. Um, the show we do generally, as regular listeners will know, in three parts. So there's the origins part, which is how you guys, came, mm. you and your team came to be doing everything that you're doing to change the world. The middle bit is all around the, the, what you are doing. And we can get into the nuts and bolts of it. Because, again, you know, I think on a on a human level, on a basic level, everyone will understand the problems that you're trying to solve. But I don't think until you put it together uh, and you look at the whole, you realize like, oh, my goodness, this is an enormous problem. <clears throat> you know, um, so and then the final bit is what might be in the future for for Vantage Health. So first of all, just give me kind of some background on yourself and how, how did you end up moving into healthcare? Was it something that you always wanted to do or how, how was that journey for you? Wow. Um, well, about 16 years ago now. So I was uh, in my university dorms yep. um, and I was having a conversation with my, my cousin, Adiel, uh, really kind of looking at what our next steps were to do in life. Um, I'm not one perhaps to go into a kind of conventional, uh, much to the dismay of my, <laughs> of my family, <laughs> I go to a, a, a conventional career and um, just looking at, how we could change the world, being very ambitious about how we can apply that. all the latest innovations, technologies to be able to do something really special. Uh, and, and we kind of settled on um, digital health. Uh, in particular, I guess it struck both Adi and I that the ability to move patient data, and images rather than the patients themselves in order to improve care could truly help a, a stretched NHS avoid so many of its problems, particularly around um, unnecessary hospital visits. So quite uh, boldly, um, we set about um, uh, starting Vantage. We had a a very clear vision from the outset, and that was to optimise patient flow through innovation. Um, We set ourselves a mission to deliver truly transformative solutions to improve healthcare services. And set a core set of values, essentially, um, to learn, always understand how and where our solutions could have the most impact, collaborate, as in to always work closely with clinicians and stakeholders to customise our solutions to meet local needs and to act. Just really go for it. If we see an opportunity, really, really go for it. I guess it's hard yeah. to... <laughs> it's, I guess it would be easy to say that we we always knew where we were going to end up. That's absolutely not the case. Um, you know, we yeah. made tons of mistakes, ran into loads of brick walls, but um, we really just had this feeling that there was something there, and through exploration, we, we would get to we'd get to something. 
that would be okay. very special. So, look, I love the idea that the two of you and as undergrads are just sitting there trying to figure <laughs> out how to change the world. So, like, yeah. did, did, did either of you have any experience of healthcare, health technology? You know, like how how or what was that kind of decision tree that you went through to end up with a, you know, we need to help transform the patient pathway to 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 deliver better care. So I, I, I'm guessing you didn't immediately land on that. So like, how did that sort of like, how did that flow happen? I guess really, actually, the the kind of the 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 real genesis of this, I guess, was um, inspiration from from a, from a, from another cousin of mine, um, Dr. Benjamin Angel, who um, sadly passed away at a young age of 26 from cystic fibrosis. But he, in his very short life, had achieved so much. He, he went to Cambridge, became a doctor, um, but was highly entrepreneurial. And his view was very much about how you could um, improve decision making um, by, by, by through technology. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you remember the Palm Pilots. That were, I, I, uh, I do. Uh, that dates me, but I do. Yeah, it's all of us but essentially yeah. he had created a program by where before any surgical procedures he um, you could see eminent um, surgeons across the world doing very very specific procedures so instead of looking mm-hmm. at your books you would look at the procedures the videos it was incredible he won young entrepreneur of the year and you know a year before he passed he was he was quite ill at that time um, he gave uh, Adi and I the time to go through some basic concepts about what you know what what would work and um, we actually started off with um, uh, concepts around telemedicine um, mm-hmm. so the idea of sharing images and, and, and data remote uh, and to get remote di- diagnostics so that was that was the kind of area that we cut our teeth on and um, Benjamin's um, parents um, after his passing said look we 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 want to help you on this endeavor we want to invest in this uh, and but as part of the investment that was in the company a significant portion was put into his name into the foundation and and, and i'm not going okay. to spoil the story so but, but, uh, about a month about two months ago um we were very very um uh, delighted to say that we you know see we we were required by nec uh, and a significant amount of um, uh, money went into his uh, into the trust, and so that his legacy will be um, would be honoured. And um, wow. it was very, um, I guess, emotional for me to talk about it in that yeah, way. I, I don't want to get well, into that. No, thanks, detail, but yeah, it was yeah, it was no, really very special for us. That, that, I, that I can imagine. And, and look, you know, thank you for for sharing what is obviously a very powerful kind of uh, powerful story. Um, and so, was it from the beginning you felt almost sort of you'd been given a mission, you know, and you needed to fill it, to fulfill it. Totally, totally. And I guess you, I'll put it on to you. I mean, when you, when you started up, I mean, you know how hard it is. Yeah. 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 How did you find, how did you find it when you first Um, got involved? I mean, you know, when we, when we first started our company, you know, sort of, I don't know, two or three years ago, we we were in sort of smartphone, we are in smartphone based diagnostics. So you, you pop doc allows you to, test yourself for cardiovascular disease risk or diabetes risk using your smartphone and one of our um, proprietary lateral flow tests. You know, and the, at the time, you know, we, we were facing like questions from people like, we don't think people are going to prick their finger and, you know, things think like really basic stuff and that you just couldn't argue your way past. You know, there's not really a way that you can sort of 
get past that if someone just has a sort of a, a, a shutdown. Also, the um, you know our, our good friend um, Elizabeth Holmes, that story had just kind of broken in bad blood as well, and so that, oh, probably, wow. that, that that wasn't massively helpful at the time. <laughs> so you know, going out there with a you know sort of multiplex blood you know droplet of blood based diagnostic system on a smartphone was 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 you know there was there was certainly some questions around that i think for for me um you know two of my, my, my the way i view the world generally is that um you never know when the bus is going to come around the corner and you know you, you you just don't know i mean two of my friends very very good friends died before they were 32 or 33 um you know and my father had a had a stroke that was de- pretty debilitating when he was 43 you know so i sort of from a really young age was was really aware of the fragility of what we have and that we you know within an instant it could be snatched away and so if you wanted to make an impact on the world then there's no better day than today <laughs> to just keep going at it and um you know it's 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 tough and i think that what what i will say is having done this show now for you know nearly a year and, and spoken to probably 30 or 40 founders or clinicians leaders ceos g- generally speaking everyone in health tech has a mission and a lot of the time that mission is a, has a personal kind of story behind it which i don't necessarily think is the same with a lot of other <coughs> industries and i think it's extremely inspirational and, and, and having that mission i believe i don't know what you think but but to kind of follow back of a bit of a ramble of an answer to your question um having that mission gets you through the tough times you know because and there are going to be tough times like there's no I mean, and health tech is one of the toughest businesses to get into because it's obviously so highly regulated. You know, there's all kinds of also if your product doesn't work, it's not like, oh, you know, I bought some dog food on the dog food marketplace and it was like three days late and my dog didn't like it. It's sort of well, if your product doesn't work, that might mean someone could die or be injured or all kinds of really, really negative consequences. So, um, yeah, I would say having a mission helps, but I don't know what you think. A hundred percent. And as I said, from, from, from Benjamin, you know, it really was this sense of like, you can achieve. It doesn't matter what's you know, in, in front of you, you can really achieve and you should push the boundaries to do what's right. Um, I mean, those, those nights when um, Adi and I remember sleeping in cars and, you know, going to all ends of the, of, of the, uh, of the, of the country, um, trying to, trying to get feedback from 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 clinicians trying to engage with with uh stakeholders and managers trying to find out what made them tick it kind of it it really you're right it's just that mission it just really felt as if this is what we're meant to do and i guess failure wasn't really an option it wasn't i didn't know what success was necessarily going to look like Mm. but i certainly knew that giving up was not an option yeah um and I, I guess going back to more about what the what we were looking at is that it came increasingly apparent to us that the NHS were investing you know, millions of pounds in developing referral pathways to try and manage manage demand effectively, particularly mm. on secondary care services. Yet, despite all this work, GP compliance with these guidelines was limited, and as a result, I think what what we were seeing was that these referral management centers were being set up up and down the country in order to vet GP referrals and direct them to the correct services. Um, And I remember Adi and I, we visited, visited a site in the South 
Um, and literally we were in shock. We, we saw 25 people in a room sifting through mountains of paperwork and documents <laughs> on their on their computers. All this staff and processes with, you know, it's, when we speak to the commissioners, they were telling us that this is recurring costs in the millions of pounds. And this was just to manage 35 practices. And for context, wow. there are over 10,000 practices in the yeah. country. So wow. it was that kind of light bulb moment, knowing that this was irrational if not insane yeah you know we were aware that lots of other companies were offering decision support systems to help gps follow pathways okay yet it was clear that this weren't being followed they've simply been regarded as repositories of information and gps had no time to even look at these in their workflow right. and the presence of dozens of these referral management centers were were testament to that so i I guess in a nutshell, we, we felt we could do better. We felt that through smart integration, using structured data, you know, algorithms, we could operationalize pathways. We could automate triage. We could, you know, we could eliminate bureaucracy. Yeah. And effectively, our dream was that clinicians could refer patients in under 60 seconds to the right provider the first time a true care navigator. I, which I think is incredible. And we'll jump into that in a bit. But just before we do, I want to just, again, because we I know we've got that our listeners are really educated about this, but just let's get some terminology out of the way. So when we talk about like a pathway, what do you mean by a pathway? Just give us an example. Really simple. OK, so let's say um, you've got a medical specialty. Let's take, for example, uh, cardiology. Okay. And cardiology is quite a broad area, of course, specialty. And within within cardiology, you will have um, different subsects. So, for example, um, heart failure. So people might be referred for heart failure. Um, and therefore, there is a pathway for treatment of patients or management patients with heart failure. Okay. So, for example, um, if a patient has suspected heart failure, the typical things to do a particular set of tests, BNP. Um, you would uh, ideally do an echocardiogram. Okay. And uh, based on the outcome of those, uh, of those investigations, you'd be able to ascertain the level of, uh, of severity. And okay. that's essentially what the pathway is. And so, it's, so, so it, I mean, we've been through this on our side of things and mm-hmm. with POCDOC and cardiovascular <clears throat> disease and stuff. But sure. it, the way I understand it, which is similar to what you just said, is effectively the gut, for any given problem, issue, condition you know um uh, or, or or sector it, it effectively kind of dictates or suggests what the clinician should do in Correct, that instance yeah. whether it's tests whether it's you know further investigation whether it's uh, i don't know emergency action or whatever it happens to be <laughs> but it's almost like the the bible for want of a better word of what Correct, should yeah. be done in any given situation is that is that is that fair Correct. And look medicine isn't always so binary you mean there right. are, there's a lot of gray um However, there are established, I said, what's the, the NHS is fantastic at that. They have so much evidence around conditions about how to manage it, what the best outcomes are, best outcomes are. The problem mm. is, is that generalists, um, whether in, in, in GP practice, optometry practice, dental practices, um, they just can't know everything. And they can't, you know, it, it's just impossible to, to do yeah. that. And they're gatekeeping you know, tens of patients each day coming into them personally and having to, you know, 
diagnose them and then be able to understand what to do next. Um, and, and, and so how do we get, and that, this is the challenge, how do we get all that institutional knowledge, all that knowledge, mm-hmm. and, and then and implant it into the brain of every single clinician? Um, yeah. and, 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 and it's not just clinical. It's also um, uh, operational. So in terms of um, each area of the country, so we talk about some ter- terminology. So GP practice tends to be in clinical commissioning groups. And each of these clinical commissioning groups may have commissioned various different services um, that are bespoke to their area. So you might yeah. have a community cardiology service. You might have a community. Um, you might have <clears throat> mental health. You might have specific mental health services or, you know, specific Correct. weight loss services or diabetes treatment services or all these different kinds of things. Precisely. And there's criteria that need to be met to get into those services that change throughout so if you're a locum gp you might have no idea about what 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 is running locally if you're right. just coming up turning there and and your default position then is i know i can't deal with this patient i have to send this patient to hospital yeah and yeah and, that, and that, right. therein lies the issue well that so that's a great we're going to just we have to break for for some commercials from our very <laughs> trusted and valued partners and Definitely. then we'll come back and we'll pick straight up off there because that is a very good segue into your solution and how it can help lovely uk health radio the station that makes you feel good how good are vitamin c supplements usually only a small proportion of vitamin c actually reaches your cells and has a positive effect Whereas the high absorption levels of Goldman Laboratories liposomal vitamin C help maintain optimal vitamin C levels in your body and strengthen your immune system. Now get 10% off when you choose Goldman Laboratories liposomal vitamin C capsules. Just quote 10 off at goldmanlaboratories.com. Do you suffer from pain? B-Cure Laser, a home-use CE-approved medical device for the effective treatment of pain, is now available in the UK. The results of a double-blind trial has shown that B-Cure Laser offers a significant reduction in pain compared to the placebo group. To get your special B-Cure offer now, call free on 0808 501 5122 or Google Radio Pro London. B-Cure Laser. The station that makes you feel good. Hello. Okay, great. Welcome back. Um, we are talking to David Ezra, the founder of Vantage Health. And so, um, David, just before we just before we, we we went to the commercials, we were talking about you were kind of explaining about the pathways and 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 all of this different knowledge and issues that GPs face and sort of almost like it sounds like it's almost an it's almost an impossible task that they have given the scale of information that they need to consume the volume of patients that they have to deal with and so um how how did all of those problems that we've talked about kind of coalesce into the solution that that you developed so actually the first opportunity um so so this is a tiny step back so that kind of light bulb moment where we where we knew we could develop all these uh, using integration, the structured data, and all that stuff is that 
we we set about from ground from the from the bottom up building our our platform um and the engine behind it that could handle all these complex rules to be able to to manage what's what's uh to be customizable to be responsive to local needs um and we, and we call the platform rego so you hear rego a couple of times that that is that's the platform yeah. <clears throat> and the first opportunity to showcase rego actually was for dental so dental referrals shared many of the same problems as gps but had one further issue it was it was almost entirely paper-based okay um and so that's insane. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> crazy. We, we, we actually did a very small um, kind of proof of concept in northwest London. Um, but it wasn't until the, the southeast of England um, that covered Kent, Surrey and Sussex really looked at this and, 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 and were incredibly pioneering and said, actually, we need to bring AI power triage to the NHS. And when was this? How, how long ago was this? this was was it quite an early call? Well, well, the company, I guess, went through a number of different iterations and, you know, we had lots of very good proof of concepts, but it wasn't really until 2014, really, okay. that we actually got any, any and had commercial success. And that, and that was our first commercial success. In, it, was, it, was, it was quite a significant uh, contract. Um, but essentially what we could prove from day one of the implementation across, it must have been 600 dental practices, about uh, 20 hospitals, um, hundreds of uh, providers, was, you know, from day one, we could automatically validate referrals against criteria. We didn't need male intervention. We didn't need rooms full of people. And this large-scale rollout demonstrated the system's scalability and our ability, I guess, the company's ability to handle complex multi-organizational projects across a large geographic footprint. Yeah. Um, I mean, from, from day one, we and so saved, like when you, just to, oh, sorry, carry on, finish. No, so just to say from, from day one, what was, what was unbelievable was that they saved, <laughs> they saved I think, uh, two, three million pounds from eliminating several referral management centers across the area. Um, so essentially we had proved you know that digital true digital transformation so with this um re- referral management systems presumably mm. were there like you said to kind of vet referrals presumably to assess their validity accuracy mm-hmm. completeness right does do they have all of the information that they require what are some of those problems that 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 specifically with referrals you know like i spoke about in the top of the show we talked about it in our pre-production call like there are some pretty basic things that sometimes don't happen or should happen and that's a lot of the time the the kind of the problems in the system that you guys look at yeah i think i think they could be split into various different sections so you've got your uh basically administrative element so does is is all the patient demographic information there so the contact details and for g for for dental that's a huge problem prior to rego because they didn't have access to the patient's nhs numbers unless the patient gave it to them do you know your nhs number off by heart no i I don't i don't i imagine a lot more people do thanks to covid but no i I don't so the issue was for, for 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 dentists is that 
they didn't have the NHS number. It went to, if it went to a, a hospital, the hospital wouldn't accept it because they need an NHS number to go and process the referral. Oh, so via our system, we could automatically identify the NHS number of the patient and then go a step further because then the next level of, of administrative is, is this patient being referred to the correct service based on the location that they're in? Now, and I don't just mean, and this is super complex, I don't want to get too much detail, but in dental world, you might go to a dentist in, in London, in North London, for example, but your GP is registered in South London. And now the, the criteria for the dentist was actually not based on which dental practice you go to, or even where you live. It's where your GP practice is, right. is allocated with. So we were able to piece all that information together from uh, at an administrative level. From a clinical level, what's required is, um, well, you've got two elements to that. You've got completeness, as you said, so make sure that all the mandatory information is put in. If you do it through a paper-based process or even through a Word document on a computer that you could upload, you wouldn't be able to check whether that all that information has been put in. So... Yeah. And, and that has a profound impact on the clinician, the other side, because they're not doing it to be difficult. They're saying, well, if I don't have this information, how can I prioritize this patient? Yeah. <clears throat> and, and then attached to that, that we felt that we felt we could build in the criteria straight away to say, if this, then this would happen. So if it's um, this specific tooth then you would need to have these reasons to go to the next level and if you consider that the patient's medical history is this then that would have another impact and it's kind of if this if that kind of logic that we built in to be able to to go and uh, operationalize those pathways so to increase the accuracy and there's a the last element is really about supplementary information that's really useful so if again, if I pick on dental as the first area we started with and learning from our, our work in dermatology, images are crucial. So in dental world, it was it was quite crazy that by the at the dentist side, they had these amazing uh, x-rays. They could they, they, they were digital, but because there was no electronic referral service, they would have to <laughs> don't laugh. They would have to. Um, get these amazing digital images, print them out. Good call. Good call. And, and then, and then, and then, and then attach them to to the other bits of paper, and then send them off. Now, of right. course, when someone looks at a paper copy of a digital image, they're yeah. like, "Hold on, what is this?" So well, yeah, yeah. the further one, we could... one could say that the, uh, the the resolution of that digital image might be somewhat negatively impacted by the fact it's come out of an office jet. Yes, exactly. So the fact that we could have all those images attached onto the system was great. And that we could go a step further as well is that we developed a, an app um, again, 2014 that enabled um, clinicians to take images of patients and to automatically upload them from their phone onto the system as well. We've now actually expanded that to patients could do that from home. They're given a pin, they could send the images. So for ulcers and, um, and, 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 and cysts, whatever it is. uh, And that could help hugely and be able to prioritize patients, identify which ones need to uh, be referred. And I know this is going to seem like a really basic question. So I apologize, but is it possible to sort of try and like quantify, well, quantify is probably the wrong word, but sort of 
expand on why does this actually matter to patients or, or the users of the healthcare system? Like, why, How does that flow down to an improved experience for them? I think the best way of, of doing that is basically on personal anecdotal evidence. I mean, you know, for we're all patients um, and we all want a, um, you know, when we're concerned about our health, we want to be managed quickly, efficiently, um, with minimal fuss. <clears throat> and I've had, ex- you know, from my personal uh, experience where I was referred for, for, for an issue don't have to necessarily disclose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't, don't need not, to share. Is it, not, I won't necessarily share it, but, but essentially I turned up to hospital um, and I was, uh, had a very nice chat with the consultant for about 10 minutes uh, and the consultant said, yeah, you know, can you, um, it's really good to see you, David. I, I think everything will be fine, but, you know, can you go and get, um, you need to get a couple of bloods done and you need uh, an, an ultrasound as well. So I was like, okay. Is there anything mm. else you can tell me? And he goes, well, I can't really do anything until I get this test back. Mm-hmm. And it was like, ah. Yeah. And I'd that's... waited, I'd waited 14 weeks to go and see this consultant. Oh, wow. And so wow. now I'd wasted his time and I'd taken time out of work. Yeah. And I'd worried, you know, I had all that worry through that period of time when actually what could have happened was that, point of referral i could have had those blood dust bloods done i've had them back the same next day it would have been you know referred for an ultrasound which would again maybe taken a week or so you know through one of the local community services and 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 what the consultant was saying to me is actually had i had that information without even seeing you i could have told you what to do next so right you know and i'm thinking i'm a you know a fit relatively young guy um not as young as i was but uh, (laughs) um but you know Imagine that for elderly patients. Yeah. Imagine that for for you know for for um for 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 young people who have got uh, who've got issues about access getting into places and the mental health issues. You know what are we? This system is it needs fixing. Yeah, I think that that's really powerful. I mean, that kind of idea of if that you've waited. For 10 12 14 weeks to see a consultant a specialist for this issue and they say oh actually i i can't i'm really sorry i can't tell you what i think until i get these two or three other bits of information it's it's sort of logical that within that 14 week period surely you could have been able to get that information or the system could have enabled you to get that information to the consultant yeah i mean what's more frightening is now that that was that that example was about 5 6 years ago <clears throat> the waiting list now i mean you'll be lucky to see in in many many cases to see anyone within a year i mean it's you know there's, for, anything. There's huge, for anything it's huge huge backlogs obviously the closing of of ele- of uh, elective care during the pandemic and it's being slowly opened up you know is is really really frightening right you know uh, whether you got a um a routine condition that needs to be looked at or whether you've got an urgent or God forbid a, a cancer, uh, you know, to be able to, we need to, we need to fix this. <laughs> yeah. And so specifically about waiting lists and, and, yeah. and those issues, yeah. which I think have obviously been pretty widespread, yeah. but pretty, pretty widespread in terms of their, their, their airing in the media and things like that. I think everyone's pretty aware of them. How exactly are you planning or, or are you already implementing your solution to try and address those specific issues? Okay, so 
we, at the core of what we do is to be able to direct the patients to the right place at the right time. It sounds quite tripe and I know that lots of people say they, they do that and, and lots of people are doing those things in, in various different guises. Where our, where our angle comes in is to say, right, let's firstly identify whether this patient needs a referral at all. Can we upfront give the GP the knowledge to be able to manage that patient in primary care? Okay, so that might take care of maybe 10, maybe 20% of referrals that would have gone previously. Now, okay, they might need some additional additional care. So what, can that care be provided in a service outside of the hospital? Because there's lots of community services being set up, lots of, um, lots of supporting services to do that, whether it's mental health, whether it's... Um, dermatology with cardiology <clears throat> there's lots of services that have been set up can we then say right okay this has met the criteria for referral but can be managed in those settings or can it have or does it need diagnostics first do we need to do we need a set of diagnostics before it goes any further mm-hmm. and then the level comes actually maybe the patient does need to be seen by a consultant but actually can we make sure those investigations are done up front to enable the consultant to do a virtual consultation. Yeah. Because if you have all the tools in front of you, or all the information in front of you, the consultant can make that opinion remotely. Right. So can we, can we enable that to happen? Can we identify patients who might be suitable for um, potentially for group led, group led um, clinics? So not necessarily coming into for a one-on-one, can we identify cohorts of patients that can come in? Let's say, for example, those who suffer from long-term chronic conditions, can they come in to a session to, with a consultant, one consultant for two hours and get 20, 30 people in a room? bit difficult now necessarily with COVID, but hopefully when yeah. those things come. But the principle still applies. Now, <clears throat> if you go through that funnel, we'll be able to actually then only get those patients that need to go to hospital down you know quite significantly and even at the work that we did running at pace across northwest london um we've managed to see a huge impact of you know we did enhanced advice and guidance um and for for hillingdon um harrow brenton ealing and uh, connecting the, the the hospital trust there and, and we've seen 30-40% of the cases coming or going through the system managed in primary care. Now, wow. not with, notwithstanding that that might be a slight disproportionately higher, higher number due to COVID and people mm. really taking a, a view saying, well, we have to manage as much as we can in primary care. But it's still incredibly impressive. Really and, high. And, that, and that's without a lot of the intelligence that we're, we're building in for each of the pathways that was a very uh, very much a system run at pace around mm. advice and guidance so the, the full navigator solution will you know will have a a, 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 a drastic a positive drastic uh, uh uh outcome good well look on that note we have to do another break for, for a couple of minutes just for some adverts and then we will come back and there's a few things i want to pick up with you as we enter the final part of the show so we will be back in one second The station that makes you feel good.
Scalar light is the quantum energy emitted from the universe, from the sun and stars. Now, Tom Palladino, a humanitarian and scalar light researcher, has created the world's only scalar light healing system, a system that can bring long-distance healing and wellness to humans, pets, and plants via a photograph. Get your free 15-day trial now at scalarlight.com or click on the Scalar Light banner on the UK Health Radio website. Shields like masks are top of mind right now. But did you know you have inner armor working constantly to protect you from pathogens? It keeps you healthy and thriving. It's your immune system. Ion Gut triggers the body's natural ability to support gut strength all year long, so your immune system can protect you when you need it the most. How are you treating your inner armor? Visit uk.ionbiome.com to learn more. Ion Gut. Protect what protects you. The station that makes you feel good. All right, welcome back, everyone. I'm going to the final part of today's Health Tech Hour with David Ezra from Advantage Health. So, David, just before we spoke, we were talking about how you guys are Advantage Health and the Rego system are trying to um, effectively uh, address the, the the waiting list issue by m- allowing more people to be treated in in primary care GP services so um which i think is 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 phenomenal i think what what i'd like to understand a little bit is 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 what does a jeep because when you go to a gp they obviously have their computer in front of them they talk to you they you know they tap away they do whatever they're going to do how how does your solution sort of what is their experience of your solution do they have to sort of remember to log in somewhere else to check what we go thinks or is it sort of integrated or how how does how does that sort of play out so it was very important to to us uh, and we took a lot of uh, advice from clinicians to make sure that the system runs as as incognito as possible so with as little interaction as possible we're, we're, we're acutely aware that gps have a finite time to be able to, they've got so much to do. So we need to make this seamless within their workflow. So the system is launched directly from each of their record systems, whether it's EMIS, mm-hmm. Vision, System 1, um, as, by the way, all other systems, whether it's Optum Solutions or, or Dental Solutions, but sticking to the GPs. <clears throat> what we wanted to do is draw all the information they've exist, they've got already in their systems. They're not mm-hmm. double keying. So right. because things are coded, because uh, outcomes are coded within the, whether it's lab results, whether it's um, uh, conditions, um, encounters, whatever it is, we, we were able to bring them into uh, Rego and to run mm-hmm. algorithms against that. So essentially all they need to do is really just confirm where they, you know, that they're happy to proceed. And it sounds okay. a bit glib, but essentially within two or three clicks, of, um, they're, they're able to proceed. And, and because we integrate with ERS, the National Electronic Referral Service, we were the first organization to do that um, within primary care as partners of NHS Digital, um, who I have to say have been, been fantastic in uh, uh, working, working with us. Mm. To be able to uh, present... Uh, uh, the ERS uh, clinics will be able to provide uh, a, a UBRN, a unique booking reference number to the patient on the same screen 
um, within seconds. So that that was crucial. You know, the dream was: can we get this to be be uh, undertaken in less than sixty seconds with as minimal uh, interventions as possible? Uh, and what GPs are telling us is, you know, this. Whereas beforehand, they never really did their own own referrals because it was too it was too cumbersome, it was too lengthy. They would have outsourced this to their to their admin teams. They're right. able to do this with the patient in front of them. Uh, and, and be done with it, and and, right. and it's been extremely powerful in that respect. That's, that that makes a that makes a lot of sense. And so, just picking up on that o- overall, what has the feedback been from you know GPs or you know commissioning groups or you know what? I guess what's the kind of the qualitative feedback, and then also what sort of impact could, have you have you been able to measure that you that you've had? I think I think the fact is that we you, you will never get a consensus from everyone to say oh, it's a <laughs> tremendous system you know we, we we're acutely aware there are things that can be improved on it and we are improving elements uh, elements on it so from a user perspective listening to what they want so uh, you know and sometimes hard they say you know one uh, two doctors 20 opinions um and um you know we we have to respect what what they're saying to us, and and make sure we can we can uh, we can tailor the solution so it's constantly reflecting what they need. But on the whole, and through the uh, through the surveys we put out, we've got incredibly high levels of satisfaction mm-hmm. um, across primary care, high user acceptability. And look, quite frankly, if they didn't if they didn't like using it, they wouldn't we wouldn't have the adoption rates we have. I mean, sure. I mean, over you know. 98 percent from from day one you know hillingdon for example is the highest using uh high, high ccg uh using uh, advice and guidance across the whole of the whole of the whole of the country and that's testament mm-hmm. to the ease of usability and ease of, ease of use of of uh of rego uh so we're very proud of that um but not to get complacent as i said we're always making sure we're, we're improving from the from the from the hospital side or from Special side, it, it's such a game changer for them. Uh, really optimizing their time um, It's coming to a state that actually they w- they won't need to vet any referrals because they trust the algorithms. Right. So that you know it, it goes directly to be to be booked, and they'll see the patient um, in in the clinic. So that has a massive impact. Um, a couple of nice examples, actually, you said about uh, any quantitative stuff. We, we did some really nice work. We're doing some really nice work, rather, in uh, in Suffolk uh, at Ipswich Hospital. It's been uh, nominated for by HSJ for an award um, for uh, for the work they're doing around our dermatology pathways and being able to downgrade two week weight referrals via Rego. Um, and I think within the three month study, they had managed to reduce 50% of the two week weight referrals, come downgrade them into routine referrals, which enable them to free up wow. time to go and see those patients that needed to wait. So full credit to, to actually to the, to, to the commissioning team out there. They've been amazing. Um, uh, uh, Peter Holloway and, um, uh, and, uh, and 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 company have been have been fantastic um uh, libby the consultant in the hospital the name escaped me apologies libby if you're listening but um but it, it's through their hard work um that that's been able to be delivered but obviously we're very proud to be able to support that and had a, a very very positive impact so just let, so just to break that down so i understand it um within the particular dermatology specialty 
there was an urgent two week, there's sort of an urgent two week waiting list, which is that if you've got a particular issue, yep. potentially you have to be seen within two weeks. I'm guessing Correct. is that like skin scan, skin cancer related? Yes. I, I would suspect. Okay. Um, your system managed to um, determine that half of that list actually could be seen in a routine manner, which then freed up that half of the list Correct. for more people who definitely needed to be seen in two weeks. Correct. Right. That's phenomenal. And what and was the was was if if your system hadn't have been used, how, why were the why what were the issues that meant that those people who were routine had ended up on that list? Like why had that happened? I think it's, it's purely because you know again GPs are not specialists; they won't know. Right. You know, if you look at a mole, or you know, you might think, oh, that's a bit. Bit, a, a bit worrying um and they'll make a and they'll make a decision based on what their clinical knowledge is and, it, and it's it's not about being right or wrong it's, it's just they don't have as much experience as a consultant of 20 years yeah, looking at looking at these images and being able to understand it so we help guide them through through the criteria level and and the consultants can then also look at this and then make it make an opinion and give it and within within you know minutes be able to turn around and say actually this can be managed in primary care mm-hmm. um that's fantastic. So, yeah, I, I, and is that how you do? You believe that that sort of that 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 sort of fifty percent reduction? You know, I know you mentioned previously forty percent. Is is that at the moment what you think generally is achievable with your system in in most areas? Is is that sort of the level you work? Because if so, that's enor- that's enormous across. You know, that's that's kind of a, a crazy high. Um, well, actually, in dermatology, we've seen up to seventy-two percent of referrals managed in primary care. Um, wow. For but mo- most of that's for routine, routine, routine cases being downgraded okay. to to kind of to be managed in primary care. But no, certainly it 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 varies. It does vary. I mean, some specialties will be high, um, and some of them will be will be a lot lower. Some surgical ones. It, it right. depends. So it, I would say that across the board we're looking at between you know conservatively 25 to 30 percent um uh impact on the on 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 the waiting list uh, and if we can achieve that that'd be phenomenal yeah, that, i mean that's that's game changing right I mean, yeah. what was it you said the nhs was targeting 30 to 40 percent of reductions in referrals yeah like across the board like in total yeah. which you know that i mean you're doing the lion's share of that potentially all by yourselves which is pretty pretty amazing yeah yes uh, I, I would again just uh, yeah potentially no, but i'll also say that you know that that is very much contingent as well on the on the collaboration we have locally and, and we've seen that you know we there's we have lots of interest in our in our solution on a daily basis bombarded with people looking for looking to take this for them and it, it, it it's one thing being interested and the other thing being able to um, give the time to be able to make sure that the system is is customized accordingly to what they need yeah. and it's not a huge amount of work but it is a commitment and it's through that commitment that you see the real the real change i mean certain areas we work with are, are great um but see less of an out less of the, that that kind of outcome because of the amount of time they can put into it and those who put right. more time into it see the greater the greater return so it's about as much as you put into rego you'll get out of it uh, right. but the good thing is once it's set up it really runs itself and it's and, and, fantastic um, you know. yeah i think that's fantastic so um what's next for you guys over the next 12 to 18 months so yes yeah, i alluded to right from the beginning we were uh, 
we're very lucky to be uh, acquired by NEC, which is formerly Northgate Public Services, um, a fantastic organisation um, that we were so happy to uh, to, be, to be to be now to be part of. Um, they have a lot of experience across public health, across a number of sectors, and um, going to really help us, you know, take the take what we've done and be able to make it, you know, really really scalable. Um, you know, our, our bandwidth was relatively limited. Um, when we were, you know, two, you know, up to two months ago, we could only take on a certain amount of um, uh, contracts. Mm. Um, but now we have the ability to take on the world. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> what, no, what, what's, what's next is to really focus on <clears throat> on delivering um, uh, as 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 the uh, as the NHS tries to get out of the pandemic and through the pandemic, working with uh, ICSs, integrated care systems, to work with as many as we can to be able to support them uh, and and deliver solutions at pace. Mm. Uh, and um, you know we've got some really exciting projects coming up uh, along that and uh, along those lines. So we are really really excited. Good. And have you seen? I mean. If, if it wasn't for services like yours, what, what do you think would be happening? I mean, do you think it was sort of inevitable that at some point someone would be doing what you're doing, but because otherwise that we would still be stuck with rooms full of people checking stuff by hand or like what, I mean, what, what does the alternative look like is what I'm sort of getting at here, I guess. Cause I know like 16 years ago when you first came up with the idea, there were rooms of people doing paper, but is that still the, is that still the alternative to, to, to your system or? I think, I think there were there were lots of people doing various different bits of the pathway to try and fix of, of this to try and fix things. Uh, I just I, at the moment I, I haven't seen anyone try to do the whole lot as as, okay. as what as what we're doing. That's not to say that someone great isn't out there and and, and going to do that or might be inspired by the talk and want to be a competitor <laughs> and, and do that. That's uh, <clears throat> um, that's um, that that could be there. But I think the alternatives are pretty grim <clears throat> in terms of. If you don't do something like this, then your particularly the trust gets swell. The demand and the, and the trust really swells. Um, the man, the manpower there is is stretched, uh, and ultimately the patient suffers. And I, I just don't think that's acceptable. I, 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 it, it's truly unacceptable. And um, we have to use technology such as ours to go and make a difference. Uh, a difference. And there will be, unfortunately, still areas. I'm sure for the next couple of years who just won't commission service at this for various different reasons and they'll be still stuck with manual processes and unfortunately that would disadvantage their their patients yeah i think that that's pretty obvious and i mean like you say there might be various reasons why they maintain those those legacy sort of manual services it might i would imagine knowing the nhs there's probably lots of different explanations for those that are complex and you know things like that but i don't know i mean based on as a sort of a lay person looking at this, I, I don't see how this type of technology and this type of approach doesn't get rolled out as standard over the next five to 10 years. I, I mean, I, I, find, I find now whether, look, I'd, I'd love to think that you guys will be leading the charge and own the category, but you know, even if you're not, and I really hope you do, but I just don't see in 10 years time how this, this isn't the standard. Right. I mean, I understand a little, a little football anecdote. I should tell you is that, um, one of the one of our investors right from the beginning was uh, Arsene Wenger. 
They oh, cool. They asked the manager. I'm not sure. I'm a big Spurs fan, but uh, but but uh, <laughs> you know, even you know, he, he even as an Arsenal man, he had some really great vision. And to be fair, and, and when he when he uh, and they always said Arsenal knows best, and I think he, I think in, in in fairness, in this case, he did. I mean, I think when he looked at uh, getting involved in the organisation, he said, "Look, I'm not sure whether you guys are going to be the ones to do this, but I want to." I want to support this because I believe whether it's you or anybody else, this is the way forward. And that was 16 years ago. And Arsene, if you're listening somewhere, you are right. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and this is the way forward and you, you have helped make a, a big difference. So, yeah. Good, good stuff. Well, look, I think, I think on that note, um, it's worthwhile trying to sort of wrap up a bit because I think why, I mean, how can you, you can't really top that as a way to end the show. <laughs> so um, David, look, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, and telling us Thank about you. Vantage Health. If there are any kind of healthcare professionals out there that want to learn more, where, where do they go? How do they, how do they find you? Just the website, uh, vantage.health. Okay, very simple. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, I think the next 12 to 18 months is going to be, I mean, you are at the vanguard of this. So very exciting space. And look, we, I wish you all the best. Um, it's been inspirational to talk to you and it's been great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Good. And look, thanks to everyone for listening. And we will be back again next week. Thank you, everyone. There was an emptiness. I think you met me at a strange time and you anchored me. I felt anonymous. And you were someone who reminded me who I used to be. It had to break. I had to go. Cause it took me walking away to really know